Welcome to That Brown Girl Podcast, where two brown sisters celebrate historical women of color. This episode contains instances and discussions of racially charged violence. Listener discretion is advised. You cannot preface a statement supporting black individuals and then end it with a butt. There is no it's, it's 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 black and white right now. Literally <laughs> Just, black like, and white. Literally. Absolutely. It's crystal clear as day. I see a lot of people, I mean, this is the age of social media, right? I see a lot of people who were understandably upset. Their cities yeah. are burning down, their businesses yes, are burning yes. down, their safety is at risk, not only just for COVID, but for these mm-hmm. rioters and these looters and everything. But where was your voice when a man got killed in front of a camera? Mm-hmm. Where was your voice when you heard about a man getting shot by two people who were white, one of which was or a like, police officer? Where were one, you when a woman who is safe in her own home was barged gosh, in on I know. and killed right there? Where were you when all that was happening? But now you're going to care about this? Like, I mean, granted, I can't be the judge of what somebody cares or doesn't care about, but literally you're choosing between somebody's life and then somebody's livelihood. And I, I read somewhere and I, and I can't remember who, who said this, so I forgive me if, if I'm misquoting it, but you can elbow grease and go fund me a business. You can't elbow grease and go fund me a person's life. Mm-hmm. And that to me was just like, boom, hit the nail on the head. Uh, yes, it's, it is, you know, we have to emphasize, it is sad that this destruction is going on. If you want to get really kind of in the minute details of things, a lot of these people who are participating in these things too, and the destruction of these things, sometimes they're not the ones who are protesting. So Bernice King had said, a lot of you are using the image of my father and his quotes and everything and saying, this is a man that does peaceful protests. But what you don't, what you aren't telling is the whole story. Mm-hmm. And that's five minutes later, 10 minutes later, minutes later, hoses come out, dogs come out, people are beaten to shit. Yeah. You want to talk about a peaceful protest that turned into a bad thing? It's been going on for a long time. Do not act right. surprised that your city is on fire when this right. happened before. I mean, Skylar and I went on a bike ride. I would picked up beer at the gas station. I held it in my lap. And Skyler even said, like, hopefully nobody pulls us over. And I said, well, I'm not black. We're not black. And that's the, the reality of the situation is nobody's going to take a second look at the Jewish boy driving the motorcycle with his Asian girlfriend in the back. It's true. Right. So, yeah, right. like, I'm ashamed. I'm, if anybody needs to question anybody's character, it's mine. Because I've never said shit until now. Yeah. That's powerful. So that's, that's, for, that's, that's for real right there, though. Because, I mean, it's not your, it's not their character ever that needs to be questioned. It's ours. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, checking your privileges is, is, is huge. I'm seeing a lot more people who have said zero when Trayvon Martin was killed, when Eric Garner was killed, Freddie Gray, all of these people who said nothing 
until now. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I always like kind of wonder like why, you know, like this, this, the why behind the what and all that stuff. I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Forget it. The fact that but they're showing up now, yeah. let's keep that momentum yeah. going. Yeah. Let's keep it up. Let's, 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 right. let's move this forward. Cause now that yeah. it's okay to say black lives matter, mm-hmm. fine. I guess you needed permission, Karen, but you know what? Let's go yeah. with it. <laughs> I know y'all want to be black until it's time to be right. Like right. you all act like you're the part and when it's time to actually do something and stand up, a lot of people don't. And it's true. Like, I mean, social media is one thing. And I think the same way that you do, right? Like I see the things that people are posting and like, I I'm learning from them and I'm, yeah. I'm reading them and I'm clicking the hashtags, right. To like dive a little bit deeper than right. just what like my friend from high school is saying. So I'm, I'm really trying to like understand it better, but then at the same time, yeah, you're kind of thinking like, where was this? But then at the same time, where was I too? And it's, it's very humbling. I know that I've been quiet. I've stayed silent for too long. I've been too scared because I didn't know what to say. I knew I was going to say the wrong things. And now what I think the collective thought with everybody, or at least anyone with half of a brain knows that if you're not black, your opinion doesn't really count right now. Like, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to tell you to donate to these organizations that help our African-American counterparts every single day. I know what I need to do. I'm encouraging you to open your mind. I'm encouraging you to click on those links. I'm encouraging you to like, even look on your like state, whatever websites, whatever you need to go to. I have a Google doc. It's edited every 10 minutes on my phone and I'm seeing bail money like things individual names numbers addresses yeah this is who we need to fight this is what we need to do it's the smallest things that you can do but like if it's the least you can do just do it I mean what do I mean what else do we have right now like I can't go out there honestly in the time of COVID either to Mm -hmm. like I don't want to go out there yeah I mean nobody really should but it's such a conflicting, the world is it's like the timing of everything is so fucked up. Yeah. 2020 Truly. is a straight dumpster fire. Yeah. Like, so like, like for real. I, it's not, it's not, I don't even want to like continue with this year. Like this is, it's yeah. tainted. But look, it's so, there's so much that we can do though, from the comfort of our own home. Right you have so much time to like read up on politics. Right. And it's so funny how even so many of my friends will say, well, I don't really know enough about that topic, which I, is fair. That's valid. Sure. I'm glad that you're saying that you don't know enough, but then read about it then. Okay. So like, don't come to this conversation saying you have nothing to contribute and then continue to have nothing to contribute. I've been posting a lot. I had a white friend who's from the South message me. Um, I posted this picture of what acceptable white supremacy is like mm-hmm. socially what we see every single day that is white supremacy is bootstrap theory. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You can do it. That type of thing. Or why all lives matter. That type of thing. So that falls that falls under in this pyramid of like acceptable white supremacy. Whereas the top part, unacceptable white supremacy is lynch mobs, the KKK, et cetera. Right. So she was asking me questions about the lower half of it. She's like, you know, I, I didn't, I knew growing up, I couldn't say the N word. Could you help me understand 
some of these other pieces here. Yeah. And granted, I am not an expert myself. I'm still learning myself. But the fact that she felt comfortable enough to come to me and say, hey, can you help me understand? Can you feel yeah. this? Like, I'd like to learn better. I'd like to learn more for my boy, right. for my children. Right. Um, you know, that's a very humbling thing. That's a for for somebody to say, I don't know this. Can you tell yeah. me? You know, yes. that type of thing. It's not up to, it's not the responsibility of black folks to educate anybody on this, right? No. We have to educate each other. We have to learn together. We have to go back to school, <laughs> you know, yeah. and things that didn't make the cut in the public school curriculum, frankly. Right. Uh, Honestly, though. Right. Yes. So I, I, so I many things pretty cut cool out. that some, some people who are just kind of scared to talk about it who know that they need to change their mind mindsets and, and framework and their everyday dialogues are coming to their friends and saying, Hey, Hey, what's, what's something that we can read together so we can be better about this? Like that is huge. <laughs> That's big. Yeah. This is coming it from is. people who I never see them talk about things on social media, but that doesn't mean that they don't care. So no, and for it, them it, to yeah, kind of go exactly. in behind the curtain a little bit and ask yeah. questions. I'm all for it. If I don't have an answer, honey, we will find it together. You know, it's with this, I mean, the same is to be said with literally anything. Right. It's about the conversation, right? Like I don't ever need you to always like to agree with me in any way, no. but if you're willing to talk about it with me and understand it, I mean, it's true. It's like, I don't ever need you to, I don't even need you to understand it. I need you to believe me when I say that it's happening. That's, you know, really that's the reason I why I wanted to start this podcast too, because, you know, I, I mentioned in our intro, like, yeah, we didn't really have representation and all that stuff. And I really kind of clumped people of color all together in one. And I don't mean to do that. I kind of wanted to just kind of give a general idea of like, okay, what's it like to be not white, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I, the reason, you know, one of the main reasons why I wanted to start this podcast is because we need to see who these leaders are. We need to see who has made a difference in society so that we can associate success with people of color, so that we can associate inspiration with people of color, uh, particularly black folks. Um, because when yeah. you don't have a frame of reference, when you don't know who's out there that's making changes, who looks mm -hmm. different than everyone else you know, you see them as foreign. You see them as a threat. You see them as somebody you call the cops on. And and mm -hmm. it's just, I, I don't know if a podcast is a way to be able to help change that narrative. But, you know, it's a, it's format, a, start. It's a platform for us to be able to at least talk about it um, from the perspective of people who genuinely do care, but who also genuinely don't know a lot. And what doesn't, who genu yeah. Who genuinely want to learn more. So um, I, you know, I definitely wanted to, to do this because of that. So, yeah. um, we're recording at a time of unrest going on in this country. George Floyd, a black man died in the hands of the law and in front of a camera, which for thousands of people across America, including ourselves, uh, was the last straw tired of seeing black people continually getting killed. I wanted to shed light on this current affair in our tiny podcast, because even as two brown girls, we have no idea what it's like to be black in America. What we can and will do with our privileged voices is spread awareness and support black lives as best we can. We are their neighbors and fellow Americans, and we need to stand up for them. So with that heavy introduction, I wanted to flag a trigger warning for today's episode. There is racial violence mentioned in this story. 
Um, so we have a lot to cover, a lot of legacies um, that are still re re relevant and still must live on. So I wanted to, in our tiny, tiny podcast, really kind of shed some light on some really great people um, who have influenced history that we may not know about. Yeah. Um, so the the person, the woman that I would like to cover today is Eunice Carter. And I've never heard of her before until very recently. Um, she, uh, Miss Carter was a lawyer activist who made her mark in history decades before desegregation. So yeah. I got a lot of my research and information from a 2016 mob museum piece uh, by Jeff Burbank, a CBS morning news story reported by Michelle Miller, Wikipedia, obviously, and her grandson, Stephen Carter, wrote a book, Invisible. He's a Yale law professor. Um, Eunice Hunton Carter uh, was born July 16th, 1899 in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, to two African-American parents, William Alpheus Hunter, who's the founder of the Black Division of the YMCA, Addie Waits Hunton, who was a social worker. Um, so okay. both her parents were college educated. Okay. Um, this was an incredible um, accomplishment for, for Black folks. I'm sorry, repeat the year that this was? 18, she was born 1899. Okay. So both both her parents were college educated, an incredible accomplishment for African Americans at the time, obviously, especially yeah. considering her grandfather. Eunice's grandfather was part of a generation of African Americans who gained their freedom during the Civil War. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a big deal. Um, wow. Along with her parents and her brother, Alpheus, they moved from Atlanta to Brooklyn after the 1906 Atlanta race riot, where armed mobs of white Americans attacked African Americans. According to the Atlanta History Center, some Black Americans were hanged from lampposts. Others were shot, beaten, or stabbed to death. Yeah. Pulled from the streetcars and attacked on, the, attacked on the street, white mobs invaded Black neighborhoods, destroying homes and businesses. It lasted for two days and was responsible for many Black folks retreating the area for good. Um, according to Eunice's grandson, Stephen, who wrote the book, um, she, quote, shaped that excuse. Um, she was, quote, shaped by that experience, and she said that when she was going to grow up, she was going to be a lawyer and put the bad guys in jail. So um, her mother, Addie, was active in the NAACP and YMCA, achieving national status, which I believe is, you know, when you participate and volunteer so much of your time and efforts, I think you just mm -hmm. up higher up in those organizations. Okay. Um, selected um, as one of two women to go to France during World War I to check on the condition of United States Black servicemen. Wow. Pretty cool. Um, Eunice graduated from Smith College in Northampton, Massachusetts. She received her bachelor's and master's degree. After a brief time as a social worker, she decided to study law. She became the first Black woman to receive a law degree from Fordham University in New York City. And she passed the New York bar exam in mid-May 1933. Wow. Um, by 1935, she became the first black female assistant district attorney in the state of New York. Um, it was around that time that Thomas Dewey was appointed special prosecutor in New York to take on the mafia. Um, the, he had a task force of 20 lawyers, 19 white men, and one black woman, Eunice Carter. Wow. So, when they're taking down the mob, you know, they're dealing with issues of loan shark, kidnapping, and because she's the only woman, she got assigned prostitution. Um, she listens to citizen cars and does research and finds evidence of ties to Lucky Luciano, who was the most notorious mob boss at the time. 
she went to Dewey and he allowed her to run a huge brothel raid after providing, um, proving that the mob was taking a cut out of sex work, which implicated Luciano. Mm-hmm. Dewey prosecuted the case and Luciano was convicted um, in what is considered to be the biggest case in the history of organized crime. Wow. So she played a huge role in taking down the mob. And I had no idea until um, I was listening to my favorite murder and somebody had written in um, talking about Eunice Carter uh, and how she was an incredible woman that we just have never heard about. And I, yeah. I, I studied the mob in college. Right. <laughs> I never heard of her. And so that was a really fun thing to learn about. And I knew I needed to dig in a little bit. Um, yeah. She played a big role in the Republican Party, supporting Thomas Dewey's run for president in 1944 and 1948. Uh, He had the strongest civil rights platform ever at the time for a presidential candidate and actually credited Eunice for his efforts. Oh, wow. Yeah. She really wanted to become a judge and really thought that would happen, but it never did. Um, She didn't blame race or her gender. She actually blamed her little brother. He was Harvard educated, spoke four languages and taught at Howard, but he was also an outspoken communist and went to prison for refusing to name names to Congress. Um, They reconciled towards the end of their lives, but ultimately politics divided them. So um, because of his association, Eunice wasn't considered to hold a judge seat. um, Right. And that's what she believes was her barrier to that. So it's kind of sad. Um, yeah. And Stephen, yeah, definitely didn't help. No, definitely not. <laughs> she worked really hard in her career. Um, yeah. but I still think she made made waves. Um, and you know, this was years and years before desegregation. Um, so for her to really play not even just a small role of I'm the first who did this and here's what I did, mm-hmm. like a huge monumental national presence was wow. was something that she had accomplished. Um her grandson uh, was quoted in his interview with Michelle Miller. We are reminded um, that we are okay. We are reminded that against much bigger odds, there are people who did manage to break through. When referring to his grandmother, the more we study about people who broke those barriers, the more hope we ha- we can have for the future. Now, so I really wanted to cover Eunice. Um, I don't think that there's ever a better time to talk about black lives who have influenced our, our country. Um, she's just the first one that I really wanted to kind of point out um, because we talked about tokenism. We've talked about the challenges of being the only woman in the room and nothing can really compare to what I'm sure she had to deal with almost a century before you know, and I, and I, it's kind of sad when you think about how it's been almost a century since she really came on the scene as a lawyer um, and as an activist, and you see what we're still dealing with today. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'd like to think that she influenced a lot of young Black folks to become litigators themselves, to become mm-hmm. legislators, and um, identifying the right and wrong and taking down a very bad person who happened to be white and very powerful in New York at the time. (laughs) So um, just for the greater good and having that be influenced by her experience in Atlanta as a child. um, I think also too, it's a true testament to, to raising your children to really value education. She had parents who, who valued it themselves. Yeah. 
Did so. she, um, I don't know if you're getting to that, but did yeah. she like recount at all, um, what it was like for her working with 19 other gentlemen, white men? You know, I actually haven't read Invisible by Stephen um, okay. Carter. So I'm sure that might be um, in there yeah, a little bit. Be like, I would just be curious. I mean, especially before the days of desegregation, like what that looked like for her. Did she have Absolutely. much of a voice or, you know, I, and but it's good that she even had the position at all. Like that's huge. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not saying it's good enough, but right at that time, fuck, like that's I call me ignorant, but I don't think tokenism was really something people valued back in the day. No, <laughs> you so know, she must have, you know, she has the credentials. She probably obviously. stood out quite a bit, you know, especially for Thomas Dewey to, to notice that, you know, and, you know, we think of, we have different ideas of Republican versus Democrat today, but you right. have to consider the fact that Republican um, at that time um, standing up for civil rights was really kind of an echo of what was a uh, civil rights movement during the time of the civil war. Um, mm-hmm. Republican party was the party that backed Abraham Lincoln. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there weren't any problematic things going on yeah, yeah. Um, as far as that platform is concerned. Um, but it is just kind of interesting to think how, how much things have changed um, for in, in that regard. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I would really, I haven't read the book yet. I had just ordered it, um, but I had heard a lot about it. I do know that Stephen had actually written this uh, with one of his daughters. So Eunice's great granddaughter um to do some of the research on that like what a cool like family history thing project to do to write a book about legend of a grandmother donation spotlight for today's episode of that brown girl podcast focuses on two organizations the first is the national association for the advancement of colored people the naacp They secure the political, educational, social, and economic equality of rights in order to eliminate race-based discrimination and ensure the health and well-being of all persons. Head to naacp.org for more. The second donation spotlight is for Black Visions Collective. Black Visions Collective is a Black, trans, and queer-led Minnesota-based organization that is committed to dismantling systems of oppression and violence, shifting the public narrative to create transformative long-term change. Head to blackvisionsmn.org for more. I would rather say all the wrong things and make a ton of mistakes than continue to sit here quietly. Amen. Like I would rather be looked at like I'm an ignorant idiot for the rest of my and life. And called but, out, right? Yes. I want to be. Like I want to yeah, learn. I don't I do know. too. And it's yeah, and it's like we're 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 canceling the <laughs> the time of being quiet and timid and right. Like we're not here to like make anyone feel better this isn't like i'm not gonna save the world i'm not wonder woman i'm not solving it but you're not, not getting anything no one needs to congratulate us for no speaking like but that. we no. would solve zero by sitting here 
and just staying silent. So it does more harm. It definitely does more harm when you stay silent. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, it's humbling and it's been a transformative last few years, especially. So, um, my husband, Ryan is white and he obviously has his own. (gasps) No, just like (laughs) shitting for the the sake of the podcast. Um, and so we've always, we've constantly had these conversations and I distinctly remember reading about white privilege way after I graduated from my very liberal arts college. Right. Uh-huh. So white privilege was a very kind of not really a term that I really took seriously. And then I kind of did a little bit more research after I graduated and everything and tried to explain it to him. And I distinctly remember years and years ago when I tried to explain to him, he says, you know, I'm having trouble kind of understanding white privilege because I grew up pretty disadvantaged. I was on, you know, the reduced, you know, lunch, whatever. I didn't go to college. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. What makes me so privileged? Right. And so it really took some time to say, okay, well, imagine going to a store and having all eyes on you. Are you going to, Uh are you going to rob the place? Imagine having a cop pull you over and you have to worry for your life. Uh That's the thing. Or the fact that that's where it all stops is your imagination. This is not your reality. And and also trying to kind of shed some light, not saying that our lives are like black lives, but trying to shed some light on what I've had to deal with. Right. Mm -hmm. I've been followed around in a store. I've been told to go back to where I came from. I've been told to speak English, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So kind of shedding some light on that and saying, Hey, like, we can support black lives and, and you can understand that your skin color doesn't make you the problem, but Uh it can most definitely make you the solution. People will listen to you. Yeah. Right. If you speak up and speak up. Yeah. And so he's faced a lot of heat and backlash from friends and family when Uh he is very vocal about his support of kneeling for the national anthem. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of people who want to say in defense of veterans, in defense of, of, um, yeah, but he's a veteran, died, you know? right? Yeah. And they'll say it in defense, in defense, in defense. You can't yeah. speak for all soldiers. You can't speak for all veterans. You can't speak for all gold star families. Granted, there are probably some people who take offense to it. I totally, you know, that's, that's, that's you. That's, that's your pain. No one can take that away. Right. No. For this particular veteran, and the fact that Kaepernick got his idea from a combat veteran. From a veteran, how can yeah. I? How can I respect, respect you when I need to make a point during a national anthem in a country that continues to kill black men? How about you, Neil Cap? All right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I really want to tell America right now, let's all take a knee, team, because right now is mm-hmm. a really kind of take a knee because this country yeah. is not doing what it needs to do to protect black lives. So I say that and I mention that to say we are a family of privilege. Granted I'm darker than my husband, but we've had to learn over the years that black lives matter to us and why. And because uh-huh. we're not black, because our family members are not black, we've got a few neighbors that are it doesn't it doesn't make it any less important for us. You're right. to- genuinely care about them as much as we care about ourselves yeah and it's really it like you said it's it's not it stops at our imagination right but we have to stop letting it stop at our imagination we have to like try to actually envision and like visualize what that 
looks like, what that feels like. I can follow it around on Gucci just trying to visit him, right? Like, I didn't <laughs> like that feeling. I would get followed around at that Macy's because I wanted to skip class at Seattle Central right. and just, like, kill time. And the fact of the matter is, as annoyed as I was about being followed through a store, not one time did anybody approach me. Not one time did anybody accuse me. Nobody ever touched me. It was the eyes were there. But then I know that if I had a black counterpart, five minutes into that would have been stopped. I mean, I have shifty eyes. I look around because I'm nosy, right? Like I, don't, I just mm-hmm. stand there and I'm like holding, clutching my backpack and walking through all these aisles over yeah. and over and over again. Pro- and you know, you, you probably statistically fit the profile of somebody who steals. <laughs> right. And like, and you know, that's frustrating, but then I'm like, but nobody's ever stopped me. Yeah. No one's ever stopped. And no that's one's checking your privilege you. again. Right. Like yeah. you just you check it and you realize I'm fucking privileged that I've never been stopped. I've never actually been ticketed being pulled over. I've me? never had yeah, being be. privileged. Doesn't make you a bad person. So no, but like that, check it. Right. Like realize yes. it. Know that it's there. Not checking when people it. are like, Oh, I didn't have, I didn't have privilege. I grew up poor. I'm like, but you grew up white. Right. So I don't give a shit if you were poor, you still have a lot more opportunities. You still can walk into a store at 11 o'clock at night and not look like you're about to rob the place. But yeah, thanks for hanging with us and talking about uh, Miss Eunice Carter and her mark in history and also really covering what's going on today and why Black Lives Matter. 